friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion into the hearts of people to spread God's love throughout the world. Speaking of passion and fire, ooh, man, we got a fiery person in the studio today. And if you did not see last week's episode, you need to go back, friends, because this story that my friend's about to share, which I've known for so many years. I don't even remember how far back we go now, but I call her Big Red. Samantha Summers Rivas is in the studio with us in the chair, and she is doing incredible work across Las Vegas, but not just Vegas, across the country with an org she works for now. And I'm so excited to bring you Sammy in the studio to finish your story. <laughs> Dude, I, I was like in the club with you earlier. I was in, I was watching the stage. I was in the back room. I was like, dang, Sammy, what's next? Because it was so interesting how you described how you felt. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just to recap, your dad passed away. Uh, he was in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. He served in the Korean War. He's a yeah. vet. Yeah, he was a retired You vet. were 16. Uh, your mom, I mean, you're the only child in the household, and mm -hmm. you're worried about your mom, your neighbor. What'd your neighbor, what, what was your neighbor doing? She was working at uh, All Nude Strip Club as a stripper. And so, yeah, I started uh, learning about that from mm -hmm. her and seeing, you know, how she was paying for things, all cash, saving a lot of money, uh, going to buy a house cash. And so it was very enticing to me. Oh, I would have been all in like Flynn. Yeah. And I was going to ask you earlier, because you said your childhood, you would look out the window and, and your dad was so strict mm -hmm. and you'd watch all the kids play and you really couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So do you think, you know, besides going clubbing after he passed away, going into the strip club was maybe like your playground? Kind like, of. I mean, maybe mentally it was like this. Freedom. Yeah, it felt like, you know, empowering. Like I a think, choice. Yeah, it felt it, it was a facade of empowerment is really what it was. Like, it's pitched to you like you're going to feel so amazing and you're going to be so in control. And, you know, you had asked me on the last episode um, if I had done anything with my male clients in the back. And I, I answered you and I told you that I didn't with my male clients, but I did with my female clients. And the reason why I started doing that was because... I wasn't making as much money because as the regulars are coming in. What's a regular? Somebody that's frequenting that same strip club. person, different yeah, week. Same. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We had wow. guys that would come in at this on the same day, same time, at the same time for the same time frame. I mean, it was a bit bizarre. Is to Brandy me. working? Is Susie working? Yeah. So the reason why I started selling myself to my female clients was because I wasn't making as much money because from the other girls, because the regulars knew who was doing what in the back. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing any, you know, anything Extras, sexual, like, like with the men, with the men. No. And so did you um, think the choice of women was safer? I thought that they were safer. Uh, I wouldn't say that that's a fact. Um, I just didn't feel as, um, scared 
right? I felt like if there was an altercation, I would mm-hmm. be able to, you know, engage in that altercation. And then you had this this conviction because you were raised Catholic? Yeah, yeah. And I so, I did have that conviction. I, I felt like, okay, well, if I... If I don't, if I don't sell myself to my male clients and I only sell myself to my female clients, maybe I'll be able to come back to God at some point in time, you know, and, and also having that conviction, but then also feeling like I I still need to make money and the guys, the clients that are coming in know who's doing what in the back you know, as far Mm -hmm. as sexual acts, and they know that I'm not doing anything. If I can develop a clientele base with the females that are coming in, maybe I can still salvage, you know, keeping the same kind of income. Sure. But I want to ask about that. What is going on in back of the strip clubs? Nobody knows, Sammy. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to make a blanket statement and say that all all of the strippers are doing this. this. But, but at the time when I was working, percentage? There was a high percentage and the derogatory term for it was the dirty girls. You know, who, who are the dirty girls on the floor? The dirty girls. Yeah. And clients would say that they'd say, Oh, I want, I want to get, I want to, you know, get dances with one of the dirty girls. And it was like, what? I'm offended. (laughs) I'm offended. I was offended back then (laughs) and I'm still offended now. I mean, it it was, yeah. And they're, they're describing to you what these people are doing. I don't want to be crass. And I know that a lot of uh, Christian viewers get very sensitive about these topics, but these are real topics and these are real discussions and these are real things that are happening. That you know? nobody wants to talk about in the church, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very sad about that. It is. Why? I, Why are they avoiding us? I think that it's, well, in all honesty, I think that, it's avoided because there's a high percentage of men within the body of Christ mm-hmm. that are participating, participating, watching porn or participating uh, in going to strip clubs, buying girls on webcams through webcamming, um, becoming only fans, uh, you know, clients with girls that are putting out sexual content. And so, I think that this is like a sore topic for the women mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. the body because some of them know, some of them have already suffered through that and are maybe in the restoration process of their marriages. Um, and, and for the men that are struggling with this, I think it's just a reminder of their sin, you know, and we put a face to yeah. what they think is just a fantasy. Right. And, and oh, she wants she wants this, and she wants to be here, and she's a bad girl. And she yeah, loves it's like it. yeah, and so it's just I call it. I think that there needs to be a shift, and we need to do something. What I would call killing the fantasy. Yeah, um, and have these open discussions, and have this open dialogue, and be very frank. And there's not a necessity to be crass. We really right? don't like you. No. <laughs> to, it's not, a job. There's not a necessity to be crass. It's a rape. But we do need to be honest with mm-hmm. what is happening. And so I think that that's probably one of the main issues as to why it's avoided within the church. So. And the acting is all mostly disassociation. Yeah. From the trauma. Yeah. And so every time you go to the strip club, Every time you watch a video, every time you participate in the sex industry, you are actually profiting or 
getting off on someone else's trauma. Yes, I agree. And this makes it so disgusting yeah. and so so unchristlike and so awful and terrible to realize that we are abusing children that have never grown up that are in adult bodies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. So tell us what happened. Like, as you were working in that club, what got you into this place where I got to get out of here? That's a really good question. So it's the favorite part of my testimony is that I was pregnant with my daughter, um, who is now 22. She turned 22 this and year. And she's taller than she's you She's taller are. than me. Um, and you're tall. How tall are you? <laughs> I'm 5'9", and Valerie, I think, is like 6 or 6'1". Six oh. So, yeah. And then our son, Jacob, is like 6'2", six, six oh and he's gosh. not done growing. So, yeah. Um, I was pregnant. Now, there had been other girls in the club that had been pregnant and worked their whole pregnancy because there is a niche fetish. Isn't that, that of sad? men that like to come in and buy girls that are pregnant. Yeah. Isn't whether, that crazy? Yeah. Whether it's for dances or for sex acts. You you would think that they would be getting that at home because their wives are pregnant. Yeah. But why is it a fetish in a strip club atmosphere or in a porn studio or wherever it is? Yeah. On a I, webcam or an, a, an escort call. Why? Some, some of those girls made a lot of money, yeah. too. So I was like, I, I'll be able to just work my whole pregnancy. I wasn't anticipating the birthing of the mama bear inside of me. And so I felt like I was going to catch a case if I stayed. Because just somebody grabbing me by the arm or grabbing my hand or like caressing my arm, asking oh, me for a gosh. dance. Like it felt like Ugh. they were touching the baby. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh my God. Like I could feel, oh. I could feel the rage yeah. building inside of me. I mean, I've now I know what that rage feels like. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm a mom, a spiritual mom for a lot of the women and children that we serve. And, so, but at the time I had never, felt that before and it was like a rage that i didn't think i'd be able to control and um it was ironic because my stage name was miss rage it was mistress rage no way and so but i i was like a wrestler in a yes. way <laughs> it, was, it was very wwe of me oh my gosh uh, uh, back then it was glowed that. back yeah. then it was glow like the female wrestling um and so yeah i i i didn't know what to do with myself because i was like oh, I, I could literally feel the urge to want to kill somebody with my own bare wow. hands. And I'd never felt that before. And I just felt like this innate, like need to protect the baby. And so I had totally spent all my money. I didn't save anything. I didn't do anything that I said I was going to do when I got in there. Of course not. We never do. No, you have <laughs> no life skills. You have yep. no money management skills. Mm -hmm. You have no budgeting skills. Like, and nobody's there to teach you anything, you know, and how Every dare they, you got out the stack of money. I get to have my money and do what I want with it. Yeah. And so I just, hmm. uh, it was so frustrating. It's still frustrating to this day to think about. And so, um, I left and I was three months pregnant with Valerie when I left. And so um, 
it was definitely a very humbling time. Um, you know, you go into the same luxury stores just to look around and you're, you don't look the way you used to look because now you're pregnant and you're growing and you don't have the money that you used to have to spend. And I just remember. That's why it's such a trap, isn't it? It is. You're only being treated nice because of what you have and what right. people can get from you. Right. And or how many times you can take clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, it was definitely a transition for me. I remember even after having um, my daughter and going um, to work, you mm. know, and getting a regular paycheck and you're just looking at that money and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is after two weeks. Like, I guess this is a hamburger helper. Yeah. <laughs> Taco Bell. Yeah. McDonald's uh, $1 burgers. <laughs> it's a, it's definitely a transition or, or right? the, the welfare line. Yeah. 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 That's, I was on food stamps also and wow. Medicaid and all that. And so it, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it was definitely a humbling experience, but I was grateful that I was finally out. But just because I was out didn't mean that I was whole and healthy. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't even realize that I had, I, I had been through so much trauma, not just from my childhood and then my teen years, but then working in the sex industry and seeing everything that I had seen. Right that I shouldn't have seen. Like I would yeah. I would be mortified if my 18-year-old child was in that environment because there's just so many things that you're not mentally prepared for Mm-mm. and don't even know how to process them. And so it wasn't until we moved um here to Vegas that we start I started unpacking some of that. I had a I left um where we were living because I had a cousin that was like a brother to me and he had committed suicide and I was completely devastated and I didn't want to hear anything about God. I remember calling my mom that day after going to his house and seeing them take my cousin away in a body bag. And I just remember calling my mom and telling her, you need to remove every single Bible out of our house. Don't ever, ever effing talk to me about God again. Because he could have saved him and he didn't. And I just remember being so angry and wanting to run because I felt like if I stayed, um, that I might kill myself as well. And I, I didn't want for Valerie to grow up with that pain of like, you didn't love me enough to stay. Because when my cousin did that, that's what I felt. I felt right. like, wow, you didn't love me. You didn't love yeah. me enough to stay. Like we, we yeah. had talked about growing old as brother and sister and you know he was going to get married i was going to get married we were going to raise our kids together like we had all these really cool plans and it just felt like he didn't think about me in the moment and so you know i didn't want valerie to feel like that so when we had the opportunity to move to las vegas Mm -hmm. i i took that opportunity and again now i'm now i have even more unprocessed trauma And, um, it was a lot to unpack and then being invited to church finally and me thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe that somebody would invite me to church. If they knew my past, they wouldn't be inviting me. And I remember, um, going to church that first month, I felt like the first couple of months, I just driving into the parking lot, I would bawl my eyes out 
because I couldn't believe that I was allowed to come to church. Yeah. You know, and that's where I met you. Yeah. And you were the first person that I had ever shared my story with. And I just yeah. remember you being so warm and welcoming and such a personal cheerleader. It was so encouraging. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, God is not mad at me. Yeah. You know, and I can have a relationship with Jesus. And then just starting to unpack my trauma and the years that it took to process it and to heal from it. And I don't think I'll ever be fully healed this side of heaven, Yeah, but I definitely have heaven to look forward to. I know to be fully healed. Here's the thing, Sammy, when I met you, I, I saw such strength in you and I still do see it. You are such a gift in so many ways. You're my cheerleader. So if I became yours, you became mine. Because there's times that I want to quit. And you're always defending me. And I so thank you for that. You don't have to ever do that. I just want you to know that. Because I know God's our defender. Yeah. But I saw such promise in you. And I like wanted you to work with me at Destiny House. And you did. And Yeah. And uh, you guys might not know this, but Sammy and I used to work together. Um, she worked with me. Yeah. For me at one point. Yeah. And then eventually. I was the Sammy. OG executive assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a great one. And and then we had some differences, but who cares? Because look how we are now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so awesome to see where you are now. And I remember you working at the, uh, just getting set free, working at the law firm. And then you going, you know, I just want, I want to help women. Mm-hmm. You started yeah. In Rubies. Tw- in 2018, we founded uh, Ruby's LV. Yep. And it, our mission was to help women and children that have been sexually exploited and or trafficked, but not just the victims, their immediate family as well, because we knew that it, send, it sent a ripple effect right. throughout the family. And um, we offered the same resources and services, not just to the victims, but to their immediate family members, helping with their kids, Mm -hmm. helping, you know, grandma and grandpa, if they took in the victim's kids, um, help them out with different resources and services that they would need. Um, And so we trucked along with that. And yeah, you, there were so many times when I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And between you and our friend, Brian, right. From corn. I mean, you both have, talked me off the ledge oh no dude and i told you to do it i said when you said you were gonna uh, start it i said you need to yeah yeah you need to start your own thing and yeah. you need to make it yours so encouraging right but then when there were moments that i wanted to quit and not run the ministry anymore not do the ministry because and i didn't want to do it because i saw everything that you had been through and i was really kicking at the goads when yeah, the exploitation when of the, the lord was laying it on my heart i'm like no why would you call me to <laughs> serve and 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 be in a in a ministry when i've seen what they've done to annie i don't i don't want to live through that i don't because the highs are high but the lows are low like that's what it feels like and so yeah both you and brian every time i wanted to quit have cheerleaded me on and said no you need to keep trucking on like we're i'm praying for you i'm i'm this i'm that and so um i mean yeah we we kept going. And then last year. Yeah, this is the good part. Yes. Last <laughs> year, which uh, in August of. Um, you don't have to do dates. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. O- August of last year, we 
were absorbed by All Things Possible Ministries, which is led and ran by uh, Victor and Eileen Marks. Mm -hmm. And Victor himself is a trauma survivor. He was physically and sexually abused as a child, tortured, and left for dead in a deep freezer. And he was was locked in a bunch of different, like, trunks, right? He was... Didn't he get locked in a trunk? Well, he was and left for dead in a deep yeah. freezer. And so, wow. um, and his biological father was a pimp. Yeah. And so, we've been in a partnership with them for like six or seven years. They've gone to the porn convention with us, uh-huh. done outreach, really supported our ministry. And it's funny, friends of Oz, I, I finally got to meet them and get blessed. And just, it's weird how we all intersect. Yeah. So, they... they uh, absorbed you which is so awesome because you're spreading your message with them yeah and so it it became in every state like you guys go everywhere and what is that special thing you guys do that i just love this so we do something called a samantha weekend Uh i did not name it so (laughs) they named it it's called a samantha weekend and i handpick uh different people that have survived different kinds of traumas. Most of them have been sexually exploited and or trafficked, or they have childhood sexual trauma or other traumas that they've overcome. And so we take them to our training center in Colorado Springs and we do a two day training it and they learn jujitsu, knife training, gun safety, how to shoot and critical thinking exercises, basic AMT skills. And then at the end of the two-day training, we do a simulation of an extraction of girls that are being trafficked in a house that's wow. out in the middle of the woods. Wow. And so everybody puts their gear on, their bulletproof vest. They We get their mm-hmm. airsoft guns ready. They have walkie-talkies. They set up a plan. They scope out the perimeter. I mean, it's really, really empowering. And it awesome sounds like thing Disneyland to, watch. to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really cool because for a lot of the girls that we've taken, man, they... They kill it. They knock it out the park, right? It helps with their trauma, yes. too. And then we get back to debrief at the training center, and they're, they're, multiple girls are like, it just felt so liberating to yeah. do that. And it, I wish somebody could have done that for me, and I feel like I have closure now. You know, and so we're able to process so much trauma and teach them healthy coping skills and tangible, you know, self-defense skills right. while they're there. And so it's a really, really impactful weekend. Yeah, especially learning because this is what always is a big fear of women is taking away a gun yeah. from a perpetrator. Yeah. You know, I want you to do something real special. Sure. For me. There's people watching right now and people listening. And they might not have walked in your shoes, but they might have as a, as the same time, or they're getting ready to start mm-hmm. a job mm-hmm. on webcam. Maybe they're getting go, ready to go to the strip club. And what would you say to them? What advice could you give that person right now that's struggling, that's sad, that's lonely, that feels like this is all they have? Yeah. Or that's even trying to get out. You look at that camera right there and tell them. Yeah, I would say that I understand what that feels like to feel hopeless and despair and just not having any self-worth or any self-value and feeling so far gone. I would encourage you 
to not even, even though you could look for a person, you can reach out to Annie's organization, my organization. Um, you know, there's other amazing organizations that you can reach out to. I would say to just in your own way, cry out to God, mm. just cry out to Jesus. Mm. And I know that that must sound corny and mm. it must sound dumb, but Annie's done it. I've done it. We have other survivor sisters that have done it. And just ask God to meet you right where you're at. Yes, Jesus. Right where you're at. Whether yes, you've been Jesus. hurt by the church or not, whether you've been hurt and let down by people that were supposed yes. to keep you safe and secure, nothing compares to the love and the protection of God. So I would just encourage you to reach out to God right where you're at and just ask him to listen to you and that you just want to talk to him, even if it's just a casual conversation. Mm. It doesn't have to be some eloquent, put together prayer. Just cry out to him and know that God loves you. Yes. Know that God loves you. And the the people tr tend to shy away from God because they, they're like, I don't want these rules. I don't want morals imposed on me. And I always encourage people because I used to say that too. Structure and rules and the love of God is really mm. what helps keep you safe. Mm. And so I would just encourage you to reach out to God. Thank you, Sammy. Can you tell people how to get a hold of you? Yeah. So um, if you go to victormarks.com, we have a counter trafficking tab on there. I still have my Ruby's LV website up for people to check out also. Um, my email is real simple. It's Samantha at Victor Marks with an X.com. Um, and yeah, there's, there's different forms, you know, and ways to reach out to us if anybody needs help with anything. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. And I'm just so amazed at, at watching your life, how God's just continually blessed you and, and changed and, and your direction and made your reach even bigger. And I'm so thankful that you came on today and also to be your friend. Thank I you. you. I love you too. Thank you so much, friends. Wasn't this amazing? I told you you needed to stick around. We'll see you next time on Annie's Pink Chair. Bye. Hi, dear friends, Annie here. Did you know that we have a nonprofit that serves sex trafficking victims? And how did this come about? Well, that was so simple for me because I am a former trafficking victim of more than a decade in Las Vegas. I had two different traffickers that almost destroyed me and ravaged my soul. But by the grace of God, I sit in this chair today and I can testify that Jesus is real and that my complex trauma and all the pain that I endured got totally solved by the love of God. And I wanted to share this today because we are in very desperate need of donations at our nonprofit. Now, our nonprofit not only does outreach, for victims that are hurting, that need to get away from their traffickers, that need resources. But we have a home called the Destiny House where ladies can dream, discover, and develop into God's perfect destiny He has planned for them. And this is not free, but the girls, the clients we have never get charged, but it's not free for us to operate it. We have staff 
24-7 staff. We have trauma therapy, equine therapy. The ladies eat great big meals at the tables together. They go to trauma counseling. They have group therapy counseling. They go to addiction classes. They end up signing up for a vocation, college, and then they end up getting their job before they leave our program. Please partner with us. Your donation is tax deductible and you're going to be saving a life.